1: Thank <music> you. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. This is a very special Beauty Bonanza episode. I have Caroline Hirons, the best-selling skincare expert as part one, and then Michael Douglas, the celebrity hairdresser part two. I don't like the expression celebrity hairdresser, but when you include Kate Bush as one of your clients, it's difficult to label him as anything else. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to midlife hair. He's an incredibly knowledgeable bloke and Caroline's not just perfect because of her no-nonsense advice, but also her life is brilliant. She before the age of 40, was working in the beauty industry and selling skincare, selling makeup, talking to clients all the time, building up her knowledge, but also a loyal fan base, because she just told people the truth. Then she started blogging more truth. And then she was on YouTube and now her social media accounts that reach hundreds of thousands of people. And you may well have seen her on This Morning as well. It's a long episode. You might want to break it up into hair and then skincare or skincare and then hair. And of course, Solgar are with us, supporting us as always with more than 300 products that bear the hallmark of the gold label distributed in over 60 countries across the globe. Solgar is trusted by millions of consumers worldwide. Head over to their website, solgar.co.uk, use the code THEMIDPOINT and you'll get 30% off your order. Okay, we're going to start with the wonderful Caroline Hirons.
2: I've sent all of the messages to the family WhatsApp group saying, please do not come storming in the house, (laughs) swearing or singing grime, because I'm literally in the kitchen. I can't, I'm just, I've turned off the phone. I've turned off the alarms. I've told my mother, which let's face it, means nothing. No. I have two brews, two bottles of water. I've got my notepad and my book and I'm ready. Brilliant.
1: Well, I don't know why you need a notepad. We all need our notepads talking to you. No,
2: because I always hear things and I think, oh my God, that was so brilliant. I should write that down. What, you and then
1: you I... hear stuff coming out of your brain, you mean? Stuff... <laughs> no, like your brain or it, or I think, oh, I, I'm, or, or I'll make a note and go, I should run that by Lisa. <laughs> I'm not sure I can make that claim. Um, I just want to go, no, I want to yeah. start with you, kind of going back to. Is it right, you didn't start kind of blogging, which seems like an old-fashioned word actually now, until you were kind of in mm. your late 30s, early 40s.
2: Yeah, it was 2010. So I was, I was literally 40, about to be 41. And Twitter had already started. I was one of the sort of early people on Twitter, not as early as like the Stephen Prize of this world, but I was there. And yeah, and I was just. I don't, back in the day as we would say there was just a lot of chat on blogs about makeup and nails and I, I was I just thought well first of all why would you be interested in nails I love getting them done but it's not for me and then the makeup I enjoyed, but I and ironically Gabby I am a trained makeup artist you don't want me to do a smoky <laughs> eye is what I always say but I had just done skincare so I would say that, and people kept talking about there was like there was no skincare no prep mm. nothing and they're all friends of mine. And, you know, and I would say to them, what are you prepping with? And they go, oh, wipes. It was always mm-hmm. wipes, you know. Or, I don't know, like a, the early Cetaphil, you know, just not great mm-hmm. stuff. And so uh, one of my friends eventually said, "Will you just put it on a blog and stop trying to tell everyone how to wash their face on Twitter. <laughs> and that was literally my first post. I filmed it in the living room here. I've got my son to hold the camera while I kind of position my hands under a lamp, if you can believe. And it looks it now and I've left it up just... Posterity. look look where we were. Look where we were. Yeah, and then it went from there. And I think if I hadn't have stayed to skincare and what I knew, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. Because if I had gone down the road, there were people who are far better at makeup and nails. And God forbid it was fashion. I mean, please. Where did the skin
1: fascination come from then? Where did it
2: start? Well, my mum and my grandmother were both in the industry doing different things, funny enough. My, my grandmother was a fragrance expert. She sort of was taken to Paris by Guerlain and things like that. But downplayed it. Like, I would, I'd always be like, God, Nana smells amazing. And so now if I walk past a Guerlain counter, I try not to breathe because the memories are too much. Oh. The olfactory, you know, the yeah. olfactory system is set up to... To slice you down yeah. with no warning. What kind of sense? A whiff of Shalimar and I'm gone. Oh, really?
1: And so have you got a good nose?
2: Do you kind of like... Well, I can smell when my kids bring weed. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I used to joke I had a nose like a bloodhound. But what I'm not good at, good at is describing it. Right. So I follow people who are brilliant at fragrance and they really bring you into that world. Mm. So I know what I like. Mm. I know what I don't like. But I would just go, oh, it smells lovely. I mean, it's almost like I have no vocabulary. Whereas when you talk to me about the beauty industry or cleansing or spots or, you know, beauty back to all the, I mean, anything, sport, Mm.
1: football. So skin was kind of in the family if you like because beauty was in the family and did you always have good skin were you blessed as a teenager with good skin pretty much
2: yeah Yeah. I'd get the odd big hormonal zit but my mum's deal was as soon as I said I want to buy some makeup which obviously like everyone our age was a bourgeois blusher from Boots
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) colour rose Uh, She said, well, you can only use makeup if you're going to learn how to wash your face properly. So that was like the best lesson ever. And and I said, well, I know how to do that. I've been watching you and Nana do that since it's my earliest memories, my earliest memories of my mother and grandmother them washing their faces. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally. And so I did. And that was the trade off. And then I sort of obviously went off into a different direction, went down the pretended at one point I could be a goth. That didn't go well. You know, my mum, bless her, never interfered. But I think dyeing my hair black and crimping it almost sent her to the
1: edge. <laughs> but, but like any good mum, you've got to just back off and let that face oh, go. Oh, she totally <laughs> backed off. You
2: know, she would say things like, oh, it looks Yes, it looks nice, love.
1: And I could see her afterwards like crossing herself
2: like she is, you know, letting me get on with it. And then eventually I'd go, mum, why did you let me look like that? I mean, goth doesn't go with my colouring. And she was like, mm, I was never going to say no to you, Caroline. <laughs> so you started working in retail didn't you? That's, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, my, what I did was I'd done all the usual sort of, you know, we call them bod around jobs. I'd been a secretary. I'd been a PA. I'd been a nanny. I mean, I'd done everything in my late teens and early twenties. And then when my uh, second child, we have four, when my second child was um, younger, I said, I can get a weekend job now, you know, the boys are getting older. So I phoned a girlfriend of mine called Lorraine, who at the time was working for Aveda. And I had followed her to Aveda from Clarins. You know, in the the old days, if you had a good rep, you would follow them around because obviously you'd think, well, they must know what they're doing. I'm going to follow them. And she said, well, actually, we've got a Saturday, Sunday job going here. And that was literally it. I was obsessed on day one. I was as happy doing that as you looked during the Olympics. Like honestly, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) for someone who knows when someone is doing their passion, and we're a sporty family, so obsessed, well done, job well done, by the way.
1: Oh, thank Uh, you.
2: We were just, I was just, I went home and I said to myself, oh my God, I love this. You
1: found it. You had your-
2: I'd done other retail jobs. You know, I'd, Mm. I'd worked for Liberty, I'd worked for Harrods. Harrods and the haberdashery for liberty. I mean, can you imagine buttons at stock count? Imagine.
1: <laughs> they have to give you a stool. Oh, but I love haberdashery departments. They're just—it's so sad you don't see are as they, many. Are now. there any anymore? No. I mean, really? I was looking for. I tell you what I was looking for. I'm going to show you it now. I've got this beautiful <laughs> trench coat, and the the buckle, like this. This I'm showing the buckle now to yeah. Caroline. Um, and yeah. all the leather had come off, and I had to. I was going um. online searching because I couldn't find them in a haberdashery store. I found anyway. Being being the kind of you know kind of overorder that I am, resourceful. I've ended up with about eight, and um okay, you literally <laughs> have eight. <laughs> anyway, haberdashery. I could have worked in a haberdashery department. You, on the other hand, found your kind of home. Your spiritual home yeah. is now in in beauty and skincare, and you were very very immediately or at least it seemed that way very honest with the customer you didn't m- mess around with the customer
2: yeah much to my financial detriment <laughs> because you know if you're on commission in those days we we're on commission with Vader, and you could make a buck you know but then I very quickly realized and that's that came from following my mum and my grandmother you know and just being honest with people saying you don't need that mm. why would you buy that mm. it was just such a fun brilliant time to work in retail and I'm still in my head I'm a shop floor girl and I really felt like I found my calling, which was unexpected because at no point did my mum or grandmother ever say, are you going to follow us into the business? Mm-hmm. It was as much of a surprise to them as it was to me.
1: So when did you start to get the science behind skin and, and understanding a bit more about skin kind of coming in then?
2: Pretty early on, to be honest, because I've always been, I like to call it healthily
1: sceptical, mm-hmm.
2: not cynical, just what well, if you say it does mm. that, is it going to do that? You know, um, so... I would, it's not that I started trying to question, but then what happened is, of course, with the onset of social media and the online world, people can make claims and it went unchallenged. Mm. Because if someone's standing in front of you, if I have a relationship with you and you're, by the way, I think I have served you in Richmond Space NK when you were still a Yorath.
1: Wow, you probably did. <laughs> I mean... A
2: long time ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, not to drop that in there. You were, you were on our list of nice customers, don't worry. Um, <laughs>
1: I love that shop. Anyway, um, oh, we had,
2: we just, but we would have such a ball, you know. And randomly, because it was so near Twickenham, like Glenn Close would walk in. Yeah, we, so you'd, you'd just be like, "Oh my god." Anyway, I digress. Um, I've completely forgotten what you said to me. So, we so we're talking about, about beauty, we're talking
1: we're talking about the science of skin and you oh, can, science, because yes. you were a bit skeptical of some products and just well, healthily. Actually, so. I
2: think I think it came from because with Aveda they were very um, holistic before it was holistic, clean before it was clean or green before it even existed. Mm. And they were genuine. So I met with Horst, who sadly is no longer with us, but he was the real innovator of Ayurvedic, sort of bringing it. Obviously, I don't mean in any way. (laughs) What I mean is he brought it into the sort of Western Mm -hmm. beauty world. Mm -hmm. And the Um, smells
1: of their products. Oh, my God. Honestly,
2: (gasps) just amazing. And I can I still have them in my head. You know, I genuinely was taken in by it and I could see the effect that and I knew the effect that scent would have on people. From my own experience with it, but also we were unfortunately opposite Vivian Westwood's counter when they launched their fragrance, and even now I can't smell it without having a migraine. And it was, <laughs> it was brilliant times. I mean, my favourite moment in Harvey Nichols is when someone came up to me and asked me for the vagina West Wing counter. <laughs>
1: Vagina Westwing, and I went, I think you're Vivian Westwood was just there, madam. <laughs> oh yes, that's that, that sounds it like it does sound ironically like a really good punk band though. She'd be proud of that. Vagina Westwing,
2: I, think. West Wing. I yeah. think Vivian was off with that. But but then what happened was I went to Space NK and at Space nk K we were trained in every brand. In those days, you had proper hardcore, like two, three hour trainings with every brand, which is where my basic training came from mm-hmm. in terms of the the depth and breadth of brands and of course if you walk into a store like space and k and they still have the same setup if you look on either the left or the right depending on the store you'll have high tech mm-hmm. doctor brands that kind of thing then you'll have the hybrid area where mm-hmm. you'll find like eve Lom, that kind of thing and then if you look to the other side it's the green area mm-hmm. so you'll have like tata harper that kind of thing and although they've tried to amalgamate it a bit more these days it's still very much that's how the customer used to shop mm-hmm. you know left middle right and so I would go to trainings and hear some trainings and think, oh, and that th- what would happen is, of course, the scientific and the doctor brands would bring the would bring the stats, and would bring the facts, and would bring the papers, and be, and we found this when we did a clinical trial on X. But the woo woo brands, as I call them, now I I have room for woo woo, mm-hmm. I just don't want you to tell me it's going to change the structure of my face because it's not right. And when they said things like, and I won't name the brands because they, they do make the odd great product, but they would say things like, well, we don't let the women if they're on their period, they're not allowed to pick off flowers in the field because it might Sorry. Event. it might bring a negative energy. That face you just did, lovely listener, if you could see Gabby Logan right now, that's the face I did in the training because I have no poker face. Yeah. So yes, the workers, if they're, they're not allowed to pick off flowers if they're on their period, because it may bring negative energy and you could feel the, or oh, every woman in the room went, Mate, you've got no idea of the negative energy you're about to get. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so that kind of started. And that, I mean, that's 20, over 20 years ago. So that, it was already happening then. Yeah. And all that's happened now is just an extension of the woo woo. <laughs> so you're,
1: you're, um, you were not scared then to kind of say, hang on a minute and call out a bit of BS. When it, when yeah, you I, well, it.
2: I wouldn't be rude in the training because no. obviously this person's giving up their
1: time. But you're not going to say that to the customer. They're
2: employed to do a job, but it would never get past my lips to a customer. And no. obviously what happens is when you're in management, you hire a team of people who are like you. We didn't have anyone in our team in Richmond that sold woo-woo. You know, if yeah. you think if your customer base mm. in Richmond is Jerry Hall, mm. Jane Horrocks, Gabby <laughs> Yorath, <Yorris, laughs> Dawn French, Glenn Close, these are people who whose faces have to be on screen, they may need something to take down redness and they want something more comforting, perfect. We Mm. can do that in in the sort of lighter section. But if they wanted something that actually worked, we weren't on that. We were always in the sort of the doctor brands, the high-tech brands, that kind of thing.
1: So your husband, I I read a quote, and it might not be, you've probably heard it back to you a million times. It was something about you being gobby, making a living out of being gobby. Who'd have
2: thought <laughs> that you could make a living out of being gobby yeah. and opinionated? Now, I took umbrage, if I may. Well, I think if he's I
1: naive. There's loads of us doing that. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, it was a long time
1: ago. Right.
2: But I think, you know, and that's actually... Even though I repeated that, it was said with such sort of oh, like of course, love, fund, yeah, of course, and love. Because he's the first person, you know, when I was sort of working corporate, which I call the C word, I can't do it, Gabby, I can't do it. I just it, I itch, and it's the the everything has to be a certain way, and and there are people I have brilliant, beautiful friends who do work in that arena, mm. and it suits them to the ground because they love the structure, they love the routine. I like being able to go, oh, actually, we could change our minds about that now, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can't do that. And I always describe it as, you know, big corporate for the beauty industry, for those listening is if you walk into a John Lewis, for example, it's the big five or six brands that you always see there and you're going to know Mm -hmm. them immediately. Chanel, Clarins, Lancome, Clinique, Mm -hmm. Estee Lauder, Mm -hmm. Dior, those ones. When you work there, those, you know, they plan their releases like two, two and a half years out. So they're already on to like Christmas 2023. All that sort of stuff. Spring releases, 24, you know, that's how Mm. far away they plan. And so they're like a massive, massive cargo liner going down the Suez Canal. Got to go carefully. Yeah, (laughs) Don't go for a second off drift or everything's going to come crumbling down around us. Whereas the younger, more innovative brands are like a speedboat. Mm -hmm. And if they see a trend, they can jump on it. They still have to go through all the testing and everything, but Mm. they can change course and divert. Mm. And so that was always much more interesting to me. And so when I got to the point of management in Space N.K., that's where I ended up meeting Sylvie Chantikai and meeting Sylvie Chantikai is what eventually took me off the shop floor. That's where everything that I had experienced previously, either working for corporate or watching my parents who were both in management, watching how they treated people clicked in. And I just thought, I love this. I love working with people. I love helping people. I love the educational side of things. And, you know, we're now in 2021. I've got, I think I've got 14 people on the team. That's really bad, isn't it? 14. But No one's left us yet. That's brilliant. No one leaves. Yeah. And we we say, you're not allowed to leave. You know this. (laughs) Um, Just because I have always, and that's why I couldn't do corporate, because you always come up against people's egos. Everyone's clambering to climb up the ladder. And I just wasn't. I was just always perfectly happy doing my own
1: thing. You must have been, though, uh, approached, and they must have tried to seduce you into their brands and to come on board. Yeah, I mean,
2: I I did go for a job at, oh, I think it was P&G which is fine there's no problem png um a long time ago in between sort of when i finally decided to consult and i got the job it was like three two and a half hour interviews and i've said this before and it was it was when i first realized that i was in control of telling people my worth which is life-changing when you're a a, i mean for me a woman a a mother at the time of two or three or four i can't remember (laughs) this is what this is what it's like um but you know i went for the job i got the job and they 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 sent me the offer and i knew i got the job because obviously in those days it wasn't email it was like a big fat pack arrived in the right drawer. right not the dismissive single sheet a4 letter folded into three and i thought oh my god i've got the job and i opened it up and the salary was like 8 grand less than they'd advertised and less than i was already on so I called them and I said, oh, thank you so much. Um, I've just got a query. You know, the salary is this. And they said, oh, we, it's, we've reduced the salary. This is, and they went straight corporate. And I got itchy. And they said, we reduced the salary because, obviously, we had to allow for the car. And I said, well, I didn't ask for a car and I don't drive. I live in Central <laughs> London. That's how long ago it was. And they said, well, that's the value we place on the role. And I said, well, thank you very much. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to decline because that's not the value I place on mine.
1: Wow. And, that, and I remember
2: saying it and going, oh, that was, you sounded like Oprah. That was good. <laughs> hey, do that one again. And then literally from that moment on, I thought, if I'm turning down this big job with P&G, which was like senior management and no disrespect to them at all. They were very graceful. They got it. You know, and the people I spoke to said it's our loss. And it was mm-hmm. all very lovely. Um, How old okay. were you then, Caroline? 2006. Right. So I was born in 69.
1: What's the math? <laughs> late 30s been, you'd have been late 30s which late 30s. Uh, that's you know that's a kind of interesting it's a bold move in a way isn't it because that's mm. a time where you kind of think like well, my kids are a certain age oh this would be quite a safe job in many ways yeah. and it's got that corporate structure so
2: yeah but going back to Jim which is why it popped into my head he's always been the person to say if you don't want to do it don't do it mm. and I was the main I was the breadwinner at the time because when we that's what it was because we definitely had Max by then he was born in 2004 uh, I was the main breadwinner, and when we had our fourth child, you know, four children in central London, the childcare fees—forget it. Mm. And so, with Ava and Max, the second group, we had two, a group of two, <laughs> yeah. one, and then two others. Um, the childcare fees were pretty much his salary, and we just mm. looked at each other and said, "Why are we doing this? We're mm. both busting our guts to get home. We're, I'm constantly exhausted. Mm. The kids don't get any quality time with us." And he said, "I'll stay home." and him staying home gave me the career and gave us the lifestyle that we have now
1: but but that but it wasn't you know there was not a given at that point was it days, no. no and it's much it, what, more
2: much more common now
1: hmm. But it also wasn't a given. You still had to then go out and create almost this career for yourself. Oh, for sure.
2: But what it meant was, for example, if the kids had chicken pox, it wasn't down to mum to stay at home. Mm -hmm. You know, they could say to the kids, oh, they've got chicken pox. Oh, well, who's with them? Mm -hmm.
1: Their father. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. (laughs) The kind of question a man never gets asked. And still
1: still ask that question now. It's just And even,
2: even this conversation, although I am wholly appreciative of Jim and always sort of hold him up as I couldn't do it without him. You know, men aren't asked how they manage to do it with four kids. Mm -hmm. No, no. But I I share it because you can do it. Mm. It is possible, you know, and I still, I would have been successful, but I probably wouldn't have had my four babies. But I also
1: think you sharing that helps to normalise that that can happen and it's not, you know, it's not extraordinary. And most of my
2: friends, yeah, most of my friends, especially in this industry, Quite a few of them, their husbands have either gone part time or given up to work with them because they're more successful, which is amazing. That's what mm. we want. You know, it's not the 1950s. Mm. I don't remember my nana, my dad's mum, going to work, but she did. But she would never work at the weekend. She was like a part time shop girl in Liverpool. But my granddad was the worker, mm. you know, and that's the generational gap. My mum worked full time from as long as I can remember, mm. because when I was younger, we were in the States. So over there, I think it was just a bit you know, further ahead. Mm. And so, yeah, I just never had it in my mind that I wanted to have babies and not work.
1: We're very similar, actually, because I think we both, both my mum and my grandma on the maternal side were, my mum still has a business now. She's a property developer at 71. She's as busy as ever. And her mum, my grandma, who sadly uh, died just a um, month or so ago, she she always, yeah, she was the real kind of matriarch who always worked, had a cafe opposite Ellen Road, worked all her life. So I think when you've had those examples in your life, You just then think, well, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. How are we going to make it work? But the funny thing was, my husband's, you know, it sounds a little bit um, like yours in the sense of always supportive, telling me to do things, go for it. He has his own business. and never thought for one second that I was going to stop working when we had children. No. But um, my granny, even though she worked all her life, she'd say things to him like, you're amazing, Yeah, Kenny. I know. You're incredible. She that. couldn't quite believe yeah.
2: that, you know, there was this man who was sharing yeah. childcare. Yeah, my mum would do that. And never from a malicious place. Always just a... Uh, no, no. It Genuine appreciation. It wonderful that he's and... willing to stay home. I'm like, mummy's living the life of Riley. <laughs> and obviously there comes come <laughs> a point where, you know, he was like, I can't do this much longer. Thank God we only had four and not any more children because I cannot do that school run anymore. The women were And I remember seeing... Um, uh, Danny Dyer, Danny Dyer talking about doing the school run, and it cracked me up. And I showed Jim, and I said, "Oh, look, it's you." And he just said, "Do you know what? Do you know what I mean? I just want to get my little and get her in the motor and get home." Why are these women want to talk to me? Why are you talking to me? I don't want to talk to you. I just want to get my. Because he was such a novelty, literally. And so, so Jim would be like, "Oh, so and wanted to talk to me, but I think they really want to talk to you." And I'm like, "Jim, trust me, they want to talk to you. You're the handsome man in the playground. You're the dad. Do the thing." And he's just like, "No, I'm just going to put my head down, and tomorrow I'm going to wear a hoodie." Is he
1: interested at all in what you're doing in terms of the and obviously the business side of it, but in terms of skincare, is he interested?
2: No. No, I mean he'll say I need another pot of that stuff and I know what it means. <laughs> you know. So he's interested in terms of it's our company yeah. for sure and he has to sign the odd thing. But you know, we did the big three-day event recently, and he came for the party. And he was like late. I'm like, dude, I'm about to give my speech. My husband isn't here. Hustle! And he's like, oh, it's just nice being out in Covent Garden. I'm like, what are you doing? Get <laughs> your ass around. here, irons. <laughs> you know, and he, he shrug- And then, of course, he strolls in all like chill. And I was like, Jim. And I'm like, oh, great. Don't worry about me. It's all right. Can I do my speech now? You know, yeah, I <laughs> you know. Love and it. we—it's just been—and it's been great for the kids to see because you know, as, as early as they can remember, they've had a parent at home, which. Is obviously a luxury, but mm. doesn't like. It's almost like don't. We weren't in that position because we had money. We were in that mm. position because we had had four <laughs> children. The nursery fees were bleeding us dry, and that meant I could then hustle. In the mm. word that we used to use in the old days, meaning graft, mm-hmm. and really graft, and just. And that's why I had to know my worst because there was more than just. It's not. It wasn't about my ego. It was literally about my income. I can't take an eight grand drop in income because you're going to give me a car that I don't need and can't drive.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, so so, in a way, that, that that was pivotal in the sense that you could have gone down a very different path if you'd taken that job, if they hadn't yeah. given you an eight grand reduction. Imagine. And you also hit another zeitgeist, I guess, with your blogging and then the start of social media, because that gave you a platform to really be a specialist that was needed and trusted. Yeah. But getting trust and gaining trust doesn't just come by being there does it you know you have to earn that from your followers
2: and it's yeah you have to own it you have to own it as well like if you make a mistake you have to own it and you know I think it's a I think and I've said this before but it it was just a kind of viral storm that you can't you could never duplicate or everyone would do it you know it's Mm. I was older at this point I was qualified I was a qualified facialist and you know could do Mm. treatments um I had I, I was com- extremely hooked up in the industry. So people in the industry trusted me. They knew I wasn't going to throw them under the mm-hmm, bus. Mm-hmm. That came later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I spoke knowledgeably at, to the best of my ability at the time. You know, things change over the last sort of 15 years. But I would always be honest. And if people would say, is this going to fix my pigmentation? I would say, no, God, no. Is this going to fix my acne scarring? Well, how long have you had the acne scar? Is it still pink? No, I, they're from teenage years. Then absolutely not. And anyone who's telling you otherwise is lying to you. mm mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that became my thing. USP. Yeah, and it was never done aggressively. I mean, the odd time I had to be aggressive really was just with... It was almost like... If it was to me, I wasn't really that bothered. But if it was sort of trolls in comments
1: attacking other readers, then Mm -hmm. I would go for them and block and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But... So is that is that bravery and that, I, mean, I say bravery, but that honesty and that passion that you're able to actually verbalise, does that come with the age and the wisdom or would you have been like that at 20? Do you think all those years of experience gave you the confidence to to do uh, that? Yeah, I think so. And I think if
2: I'd have been younger, I would have got myself into more trouble because I was diagnosed with ADD at like 49 because I had to write a book and realised blogging is very, I'm not a writer. People are like, oh, you've written the best-selling British people. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm a blogger who wrote a book. I had a lot of content to hand. You know, Mm -hmm. I had half of it written. I just had to rewrite, update and then do all the new sections. But when it came to rewriting sort of another 35,000 or so words that were fresh, I had complete the page was blank. I mean, I couldn't start. And I now know that that's extremely typical. So my daughter had been diagnosed with ADHD from a tip off at school. And we had joked when we were filling in the questionnaire that you have to do as parents, my husband and I were looking, he was just looking at me and I'm going, yeah, I know it's me. I know, to a T. I mean, it's literally me to a T. And so I went for the official diagnosis thinking, well, if I got some medication, maybe I could focus. Mm-hmm. But there was only as I looked into it, I thought, wow, I mean, my without me even knowing, my ADD has completely
1: directed the sort of travel of your life so 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 the diagnosis didn't change anything really it just helped you understand yourself a little bit better it
2: really really made me embrace who i am which sounds strange because a lot of people get it and they have almost an anxiety crisis and for me it made all the light bulbs go Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. i just thought oh that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. i now and i basically i gave myself a break Mm -hmm. where i'd always said oh you shouldn't have said that or you're because blurting is a part of it too which i used to do in meetings Mm. and not like negatively or badly but you'd think if I now I would just keep my tongue and just be, well, they don't need to know mm. my opinion on this, you know. You know, they say oh, you, you, you can take too many risks, but if I didn't take risks, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in. Right. So it's that fine balance
1: of... Well, know, rich. I don't know if you, Richard Bacon, the broadcaster, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was um, on the, a couple of series ago and he had a later life diagnosis and um, it helped him, first of all, understand himself because he goes yeah. into hyper modes of concentration where he can write kind of, you know, a TV show in three hours, but he wouldn't notice if the, literally the house had fallen down. And yeah. then on the flip side, you know, he could walk across the road and not notice a car coming so he's it's like yeah so yeah, or he can sit for days just not doing anything yeah. so that's um, very
2: typical and it, it explained my school years it explained how I would cram for exams mm-hmm. and I feel kind of like our, our elder two sons because basically the whole family have it <laughs> imagine our house at Christmas time it's so entertaining <laughs> but I I feel like if we'd known if we'd known that early on then our elder two would have had an easier ride through school but yeah not, and it's not that they had a hard time it's just that When you have it, you have no poker face. So Mm. I would sit through chemistry, physics and biology, biology I loved and was obsessed with, chemistry and physics. I would literally fall asleep, didn't even pretend to make an effort and say to the physics teacher, just keep walking, mate, just keep walking because you know I'm not, I I can't even, my brain doesn't work that way, I can't retain the Mm. information. And our kids are the same, you know, Ben, our eldest, once filled in a report for English that they were so disturbed by the school and it sounds terrible that we're laughing, but they sent it to us and said we're concerned for Ben's mental health. And obviously, we took it seriously, but he, we know, we knew Ben, the young man, mm. and he was just being honest, you know. And it said, "And how did you find the assignment science?" And he put, "Oh, I want to die." But he meant like <laughs> it was so boring, yeah. I want to die. Yeah, you know. And at the end of it, he said, "Do you have any other notes?" And he put, "Kill me now." <laughs> we kept it. I mean, I still have it. I might read it out on his wedding day. <laughs> but it, it really, all of those memories came flooding back. So it was thankful, you know. It was to our daughter who was incredibly sporty. Her netball teacher said, I think Ava has ADHD. She is so easily distracted, except when she's on the court. Mm -hmm. When she's on the court, she's a beast. Mm -hmm. But if I try and tell her something off the court, she's just looking at the wall. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so Ava being diagnosed led to me being diagnosed, which led to everyone else being diagnosed, which meant that we all now have a better understanding about it. We all... We all take the mick out of each other constantly. You know, it also means the kids understand why my memory is so bad. You know, because they used to say, like, "Mom, how can you not remember that?" Like, they would be hurt, and I would say, yeah. "Oh my God, I'm such a terrible mother." And now I think, oh, okay. And yeah. now I don't, because I don't do guilt. No. you know, I listened to your um, to your show with Claudia Winkleman, and I think we're exact opposites. <laughs> you know, when you were talking, I felt your pain when she when you said you got into bed and she hadn't taken her eye makeup off, and I thought, oh, I would have to wash her face. <laughs> I really thought I actually oh, stared
1: at her for a while while she was I, lying there I, I, thinking I,
2: I would have said Claudia are you okay are you in a coma because would you like me to do it for you I'll do it for you and I know that's what she's like and that's what I adore about her I love yeah, yeah. everything about her but we are completely she was
1: her. she was completely shocked that I was so shocked because I would have a face full of blocked pores my and... theory
2: is Claudia must have genetically she must have a slightly oilier skin I've never mm. said this to her I don't know Claudia I'd love to but I think she must have a slightly oilier skin because if you abuse it in that way and you have my skin
1: you would not look as good as she does. But let's talk about midlife skin, Caroline, mm-hmm. because um, I, you know, I've read your uh, quotes about HRT and the state mm-hmm. of your skin, and you can tell when women are on HRT. Can skin? Can you? Can you really? Can you? Yeah. 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 Well, first of all, they don't
2: want to punch you in the face. That's helpful. <laughs> but but <laughs> but yet yeah, because they have just a bit more bounce and a bit more glow yeah. because the estrogen is being replaced. The lack of estrogen in our body is. Mm. You know, to me, it's a medical crisis. The fact that Caroline Harris has now managed to sort of start getting Parliament to pay attention is phenomenal. Yeah, it's amazing um, through the work of everyone involved. But it's, you know, it skin aside, your mental health, the weight I piled on around my middle was just—I was like, what is happening to me? Mm. But yeah, oestrogen and skin is key, and it's something we can't replace with a topical. So that's the other thing I sort of rage against: is stop telling people this will replace lost oestrogen in your skin. No, it won't. Mm -hmm. Stop it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's I'd say when I it's about a year now since I started on um, hormones and. I'd say the skin was the first thing that I noticed actually. Actually, not to lie, libido. But then libido
2: but then mood
1: and then, then skin for me. Skin was a really big um improvement because it was the skin that I'd actually noticed kind of could be a, a, a symptom because I was like, why is my skin so dry? And why is it looking yeah. so lifeless? And I just yeah. I don't nothing I'm doing is is helping. And yeah. and that was a big um tick. Yeah. It's life changing, hmm. you know,
2: and it's People don't tend to go for HRT because their skin looks bad. They just, no. they're getting, they just think they're getting they're <laughs> Getting older. old, yeah. Yeah, I went because of the rage right. and the tiredness. I, I wanted to kill someone on <laughs> a white van driver on Hammersmith Broadway. And then I realised it was actually my fault. But I still raged at him. Like yeah. It was his fault. To and what, my was, was that at the moment? Just, yeah, I said to my daughter, she was, obviously the kids were in the car because they're used to it. And I said, I think I might need some hormones. And she was just a typical teenager and just looked at me and went, you think? <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks for that. I'll take that as a positive affirmation that I definitely need to go to the GP. Um, and then, yeah, I did. And I, but I was only, I think I was like 48. I left it too late. I should have been there four or five years earlier. Yeah, well, I was for 47.
1: Sure. I'm 48 now. And yeah. uh, we are there and we are talking about it so that people who might recognise other symptoms. So once you've got the hormones in you as a you know midlife woman and your skincare regime kind of isn't necessarily going to have to change because of midlife, Do you? is there anything else that you're kind of doing to to help your skin in midlife to look so glowed? Yeah,
2: I mean, I am a fan of the odd bit of a, an injectable, so... Basically, I'm blessed with both sides of the family, but it all of became a big negative. So my mum's side of the family have high cheekbones. My dad's side of the family have really chubby cheeks. So I've always had big, fat, chubby cheeks, and of course, that's, that's good the for aging. Drops. Yeah, that's the first thing that drops. All oh, right, when so you're it's, older. it's good for the,
1: the fullness of the face, yeah, but also but it drops. Right. The, but
2: then it becomes a jowl, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so and then I obviously when I was sorted with the HRT and I sort of started taking care of myself a bit more and I lost weight, then I got more jowly, and so I. I went to a friend of mine and said, OK, your skin looks amazing and I know you have the odd tweak. What are you doing? And they said, "I have a, honestly, I have a teeny bit of filler here and I don't really do the Botox. And I go like once, twice a year. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm, a tweak. Mm-hmm, you know, I think if mm-hmm. someone says, oh, what have you had done? You look great. It's too much. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they say you look really well, it's like a good foundation. If you're wearing a good foundation and your skin is good, someone will say you look amazing. Not what you, what's what you your don't makeup? want. Yeah, yeah. What you don't want is someone to say your makeup looks amazing. Yeah. You, you want to be wearing the makeup, not the other way around, you know. Yeah. And it's the same with tweakments. So, but what and, about a, a
1: topical product, though? Yeah, it, for sure.
2: No, because the thing is, there, are, there comes a point where a topical will only do so much. And you mm. need, you know, the gold standard is vitamin A. So mm. a retinoid. A retinoid is, you know, a girl's best friend or a boy's best friend, but it's particularly a girl's best friend because it will help. It does help to sort of regenerate. And I use that word lightly, not in Mm. a medical term, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the main thing that we all could have done, and I don't know if you did it, but the thing we all could have done is take a leaf out of Claudia's book and fake tan and not bake in the sun in the 80s.
1: Yeah, well, I have to say I am a fake tan fan. I'm not mm. as uh, perhaps don't do it as much as, as Claudia. Who I think no. uh, by her and admission, like she to, said, uh, I just want to look
2: like I've rolled in an orange and come
1: out of the skin. <laughs> but I'm, because I'm not a, um, I'm not blessed with the skin that tans. I kind yeah. of stopped bothering about it at quite a young yeah. age, which I'm which grateful is why, for probably now. Probably why you've got phenomenal skin. But I think I used I used a lot of sunblock because I just didn't go brown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just was kind of whereas my my sister's got really olive skin so um she went brown brown. and but then you know you know a point where you just go i'm just getting redder i'm just getting redder yeah i think younger generations now are much more on that aren't they They
2: are but they still they're still not keen on spf especially in this weather and it doesn't help that like you know the the nice guidelines for the nhs and the the kind of those kind of rules they haven't really updated so they Mm. say oh if the uv if the uv factor is low you don't need to wear an spf that might be for UVB, but UVA still shines through and that's what causes your ageing. Mm. So my big thing with my with my kids is just use your SPF mm. because when you get to my age, you won't have to fix pigmentation damage and things like that, you know.
1: So even midlife women should also still be thinking about, I mean, it's not too Absolutely. late. It's never too late to start Absolutely. with your SPF.
2: No, or, or just a general routine, you know, if, yeah. they, if they think I don't even know what to do and, you know wash your face properly, you know, acid is fantastic for an older skin, but you don't have to go in hard, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm sure your mum would say the same thing, being a beautician, you know, mm-hmm. you have to sort of help your skin shed the layer. It's no different mm-hmm. to body brushing, mm-hmm. you know, it's just milder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then things like there's a there's a whole array of, you know, serums that are helpful if you are slightly older. But my, the key words for me, if you're sort of thinking, if you're my age and you're looking, I'm 52, and you're looking at things like ceramides and, you know, peptides and things that are actually not invasive, they'll support your barrier. And the main thing is if you go too hard in your barrier function, especially if you're menopausal, if you over-treat your skin, if you, if you say, like, I'm going to do an acid, then I'm going to mm-hmm. do an niacinamide, then I'm going to have a peel, then I'm going to do some microneedling. If you do it all and your skin can't cope with it, which is what happens to all of us when we're menopausal, because we're so slow to repair, everything's slow to heal. You'll know if you get an injury, it takes mm-hmm. ages to recover mm-hmm. from it. Or a cut or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that, I mean, for example, you can, help, you can take zinc to help with that, but that doesn't help you on the surface of your skin. So I always say just slow down with the actives, build up your barrier, which is just using, you know, you can do it easily with a good solid moisturizer and an SPF. And within a week or two, your skin should be back to normal. And then you can look at, the kind of actives that you want to use,
1: and you've always been very strong on. You don't necessarily have to spend top dollar to get these products. And um, there are no. products out there. People, people can, and you, and you promote that obviously through your social yeah. media.
2: But but you do have to spend. You but know not what I mean? yeah, but
1: not hundreds it's, and hundreds of pounds on no, one. Product. No, no no
2: no 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 no. If you if you're doing that, you're paying for the designer's house. Mm. I would say you can get most of the things you want in the mid price mark, which for me has always been sort of twenty to twenty five upwards. I don't think I would ever go, I'd might I might one of my favorite moisturizers is one two seven, but that's Kate Somerville, and it's very targeted for like peptides and my age group. But certainly if you're younger, absolutely not. A good cleanser, a good moisturizer, a good SPF will will see you right for years and years and years. Assuming your lifestyle isn't that you know, you're not wrecking your face <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and smoking yeah. and drinking and partying and all that. And, sort of stuff.
1: and diet and uh, obviously is a, a factor. Supplements and diet are a factor in terms of the skin. How much weight do you put on diet? on the Well,
2: skin? I'm always wary of, you know, I'm asked all the time about collagen powders and things like that. And as most of my dietitian and nutritionist friends will say is when you ingest a collagen powder, it doesn't, the stomach doesn't go, oh, remember, lads, she skin. wants this in her face. Mm you know, it will be used elsewhere. It will go to your hair, your nails, you know. So Which is no bad thing. No, no bad thing. But I think selling people the sort of myth that you can replace lost collagen is just not really... It's just not really... I, I try and stay away from it. You know, I do take supplements and mm-hmm. I... Obviously, I take my HRT and I love a bit of magnesium, especially in the evening if I want yes. to relax and Magic. muscle, muscle Magic. aches and things like yeah. that. But I'm not... I would never sort of fully endorse ingesting collagen until there's more clinicals just because there's so many sort of things where they sort of try and make you think it's going to end up on your skin. Mm. The best thing I ever did was stop drinking. Right. Know, I still like the odd glass of champagne. But when you're menopausal, your yeah. your liver just cannot cope no. with alcohol in the same way it did when you were 20. I mean, I used to work in HMV in the, back in the day in the 80s. we go to work, go to a gig, full makeup, you know, go to the after show party, that would go on all night, like at Wembley Arena or whatever, and then go back to work the next day. <laughs> I would be in bed for a week if yeah. I tried to do that now.
1: So it's not necessarily for your skin that you stopped. It's more for just not being able to get up oh, in the general and general wellbeing, yeah. yeah. And every, but you've noticed it on your skin.
2: Completely. And every gynecologist and OBGYN and Dr. Jen Gunters, she's kind of the US version of Dr. Louise Newson, but she's... Right louder <laughs> um, and she is the one who went to the goop summit and basically called it out and was just like this is bullshit right okay. <laughs> don't steam your vagina it's a self-cleaning oven. right like that kind of thing
1: well speaking of that and I wasn't going to bring it up necessarily <laughs> but um uh, you obviously attracted a bit of attention when you called out um Gwyneth Paltrow's SPF application or lack you? of L- yeah lack of SPF application and and I was wondering because it's so important to be able to do that people don't necessarily feel they have a voice I suppose I've asked you the question almost already, but that confidence and that ability to say, right, this isn't right, that, that comes with age, doesn't it? it yeah, you can't, sure. It, you wouldn't for do sure. that at 20. I'm just looking at the positives of being in midlife, and I think that oh, is it's definitely all one of them. Yeah. It's
2: all positive for me. I mean, the only thing that isn't positive is like Billy Connolly used to joke is that you grunt when you go to unplug something. You know? <laughs> you know, that's the only, that and sort of needing more sleep, you know, that kind of thing. But the positives, I mean, I wouldn't be 20 again if you paid me, Gabby. I love being 52. And also you know, you get to see your if you're lucky and you're, or if that's what you, the path you choose to take. We chose to have children. You know, you get to see your children grow and we have a granddaughter. And, yeah. And well, I was going to ask you that.
1: Yeah, being a grandma, I mean, looking yeah. as glamorous as you do, but being, you're so lucky to have, I, I say this without, hopefully my daughter won't do anything too proactive about <laughs> not, this. Not she's just yet. sixteen. But 16. Um, but yeah, I often say to her, you know, there's there's other ways to have families. You could have family in your 20s and uh, early 20s because I just, I, you know, I think it's a it's a real gift, isn't it?
2: Oh, it's, it's just been the absolute best thing Yeah, I mean, she. When people say 2020 was horrible, I'm like, no, that's when we had Nova. It will never be. You shall never hear me say 2020 was an awful year. It was the best year of our lives. She is amazing. Um, But I love being the age that I am. I just want to make sure that the women who are our age have the right information. And with the Gwyneth situation, it was almost. It wasn't even a red flag to a bull. It was almost as if the bull was standing in front of the matador, and the matador was butt naked with. (laughs) With food hanging from his balls, waiting for the ball. I mean, it was literally like, you are absolutely kidding me. And the fact that Vogue US had given it the platform just made my head explode. Because to them, it's just, they're going to get hits, right? It's clickbait. Mm -hmm. Gwyneth's, you know, Gwyneth's daytime routine. Well, first of all, she makes out like she's washing her face, but she's got makeup on. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing from the beginning to end is just a Hollywood lie. And I can't deal with it. It does my head in. And where I would normally just ignore it and go, oh, God, California, and make a brew. Mm. When she did the SPF, I, I was like waiting for it to finish. I was just like, what are you doing? She said, well, I'm not a big user of SPF. I like to just apply it where the sun hits. And I'm like, and she's mimicking, like doing it like a cheekbone highlighter. And I'm like, what do you mean where the sun hits? You live in California. It hits everywhere. <laughs> and, you know, and I don't mean it in an unkind way, but her chest and her neck are full of sun damage. So she's clearly never worn SPF is not comfortable wearing SPF and just did it because she felt like she had to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if
2: that was me, I would just do a nighttime routine. Babes, just do a nighttime routine. Yeah. You know, get a a better advisor who says, Mm. you know, if you don't use SPF, people will say, why aren't you using it? Better than just making up. And also she said that normal SPFs were toxic, which really wound me up. And so, yeah, I just just said, this is really bad information. And then what happened was I didn't even plan it. I just said, this is really bad information. What are you doing? But then every science or dermatologist or esthetician that followed me started DMing me on Instagram saying, well done, it's outrageous. And that's when I lost it. I was like, why? Why is it always me saying it? And you're all saying it. Why don't yeah. And I was clapping my hands. Why aren't you saying it too? Mm. If you're a dermatologist and you let this fly, especially in the USA, then mm. shame on you. And then I, they all responded, thank God. But yeah, I did lose it a bit. And to be fair, I did. I, did, I watched one of those back because someone asked me about it. And I said in one of the lives like the day before that I hadn't had any HRT for a week. And I think you can tell. (laughs) I think I've been slow to order it. And I think I'd run out. And I think you can tell. But I'm glad because, frankly, it needed saying. Yeah. You know, and I don't always want to be that person, Gabby. I I too, again, like Claudia or Charlene Plateri, you know, who, by the way, I have such a girl crush on. I was loving listening to her talking because when she first came out, I was like, oh, my God, you don't have to basically have Show long nipples yeah 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 to have be a long curly hair and, and wear yeah. a crop top and have a, and you well, just she knew was, that she swore and you know yeah. and her hair was amazing and she was playing guitar and you know yeah
1: yeah she's but brilliant. I just
2: don't they're right in that I'm just at the age where I just I just don't give a you know bleep word in terms of upsetting mm. I don't Gwyneth Paltrow hasn't gotten to be upset by me I'm sure she hasn't even seen it to this day why would she care but the the people who were tagging me in it You know, my readers who are tagging me and it's saying, Are you going to do you think this is right? I was like, God, no, it's not right. Mm, mm, That's mm. why I responded.
1: Yeah, because I think it's your credibility with your followers and the people who take your advice is important, isn't it? As you say, her empire is going to keep going. But yeah, um,
2: Yeah, Vogue don't care what I say.
1: But well, they probably do, actually. But um, and they might think again next time when they put stuff up that's not credible. But I think it is, you know, having that uh, attitude, as you say, and it is an attitude, it's a great attitude because um, people. I trust you and, you know that's What it's all about, so yeah,
2: it's just very much
1: what are you doing <laughs> Put it well, all over your face? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you've given us some very good takeaways there. I didn't want to spend like the hour chatting to you about all the things that we should be doing uh, in midlife. You've been drinking water during the interview as well, tick, and uh, <laughs> and and clearly your skin's glowing as well. So, you practice what you preach because you must get sent so much stuff, it must be so tempting to just kind of you know be trying stuff out all the time, but you stick it, you stick with the stuff you know and what you like, and then yeah,
2: I mean, I try things and my tea- Try things for me, and I'm always interested if something's new and scientific. For sure, I'm just not that easily swayed mm. by claims unless they're backed up with science. Mm. That's it,
1: really. You know, I just don't like the disingenuous side. Thank the Lord for you, Caroline. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing it, for giving us your time I'm and your, kidding. your passion.
2: Thank you for having
1: me. You, uh, you can get the um, the noisy kids back in. And oh, and no. uh... <laughs> I'm going to put the kettle on. Leave them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so so much.
2: Thank you, Gabby.
1: Michael, Michael Douglas, it's wonderful to have you on Midpoint. I feel you're in a very special place as a male hairdresser to to come on and talk about hair in midlife. And uh, uh, partly to do with your girlfriend, the wonderful Davina McCall, who, as we know, has been an amazing, Mm. pioneering the HRT revolution. You have a podcast with her as well, don't you?
3: Yes, it's called Making the Cut. And uh, yeah, we do that once a week. It's quite good fun. It's, It's a bit like therapy for the pair of us. We just basically talk to each other for an hour. Afterwards, we, we both feel like we've...
1: Had a session with a yeah, therapist. yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> it's quite helpful.
1: Well, that's how people feel often about their hairdressers, don't they? You probably write a book, actually, Michael. That's that's what you should be doing as well. Um, (laughs) So has your clientele, as you've got older, has your clientele kind of grown with you? Are you now, do you think, an expert in the midlife woman's hair?
3: So, yes, all all my clients. So, like, I I look after Dawn French, uh, Kate Bush, obviously Davina McCall, and then lots of other people over the years, like Kylie Minogue and her sister Danny or Claudia Winkleman or people like that. So, yeah, they've all reached this age where they're all going through this kind of midlife stage as well. So it's a hot topic that I never stop talking about or listening about.
1: Perfectly put at ease. Anybody listening to this, your credentials <laughs> and, you know, your qualifications <laughs> to talk about midlife hair, there is absolutely no doubt you are the man. But the hair uh, kind of topic with women, it really does change, doesn't it, when you hit a certain age. The mm. texture of the hair, people people find themselves losing hair. So what's going on with the midlife hair and genetic well, code? You're does restricted it make by
3: your genes, essentially. And I think a lot of people think they've got fine hair genetically that they can make it thicker and sadly you can't really like I'd love to be taller I just I'm never going to be taller in the same way that some people's hair is never going to be different than it is what you want really is to get to a stage where your hair is the best it can possibly be for you right so it's at the absolute maximum end of your genes sadly as you get older you know the cell production and things like that of, uh, of producing new skin and new hair starts to get worse and worse I did read this thing in a, in a scientific paper about how that works is that the, the cell gets reproduced off the previous production of its cell, so a bit like a photocopy. So the first time it gets photocopied, it's great, but when you photocopy the photocopy and then photocopy that photocopy, that's essentially how you age. What a great analogy. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. But your cells get a reproduction of the previous cell, but not the original cell, you know. So your hair does start to deteriorate because the follicle that produces it just starts to get older. It stops producing colour, so you start to go grey, and then it can start to produce thinner and thinner hair. The problems for women, really, in in particular, is the fluctuation of hormones. So you've got it at puberty, first of all, then you're roughly going to have babies at some point. Let's say that the vast majority of women are. That's a bit, you know, there's an an enormous fluctuation of of, of hormones there where you store a lot of stuff, and then Mm. after you've had a baby, there's a huge drop in estrogen. That has a huge effect on your hair and then obviously the menopause as well There's a tail off of oestrogen, and progesterone and all these things basically have an enormous impact on how well you grow hair. So to break it down in simple terms, you, the hair grows through two, it goes through four phases, but to keep it simple, you go through a growing phase and a shedding phase. About 90% of your hair is in a growing phase. And about 10% of it's in a, in a shedding phase. And that's when you run your fingers through your hair and pull out mm. some strands of hair.
1: Or when you brush it and you take loads of hair off your hairbrush. Or well, you see
3: it all in the shower, right? Mm. Um, now, mm. Mark Blake, the trichologist, texted me yesterday and said, did you know October is the worst month of the year for seasonal hair loss? So more people are losing hair at the moment than at any other time of the year. The best month for hair loss, as in its far less, is January. So you've not got long to go until that cycle starts to work its way out.
1: Can I just pause you there for a second? Because that's a nightmare. Our hair's being lost as we head into party season, and then as we're staying in yeah. and having dry January, we've got this great head of hair. Sorry, but Mother Nature got that one all wrong.
3: It's got so many things wrong, driving <laughs> Mother Nature. Um, so yes, there's this, there's this drop in oestrogen and progesterone. And what that means is the growing phase slows down. So that 90% of growing phase turns into about 60%. And then you get 40% going into the shedding phase. And that's what people are terrified of. They put their fingers through the hair. They're pulling out clumps of hair. It's falling out left, right, and center. And basically, the, the slowing down of the growing phase is a mixture of things. It's largely related to hormones, but it's also related to health and diet. People don't eat properly. You know, it's like we're so bloody busy trying to do everything we're meant to do that people just aren't eating enough protein. Protein's the single best thing you can eat to grow healthy hair. So there's other things you can put in your diet as well, like iron and uh, collagen and stuff like that. But your hair is on a very low down a priority list for the nutrients that you take into your body. So you stuck a lot of stuff into your body and it goes to your muscles, it goes to your bones, your teeth, your eyes, your skin and all the rest of it. And at the end, stuff goes to your hair. But if you're not eating enough protein, if you're, only, if you're only eating 50 grams, all that 50 grams is being used up everywhere else other than your hair. So it's those things combined. So let's say you've got the menopause, you're going through a shedding phase, you're not on HRT, and you've got a virus like long COVID or something like that, and your diet's not that great. Blimey, you know, your hair is going to be suffering like nobody's business. So sort the diet out first, maybe go and see a doctor about HRT, because a si- The other thing that happens when you drop oestrogen and progesterone is that the male hormone that women have in their body starts to become more prevalent because it's kind of suppressed by oestrogen and progesterone. So when that stops, that male hormone starts to kick in a bit. And one of the things it does is shrink the follicle. You will grow hair, but it'd be finer than it was before. So going on HRT reverses that whole system. Now, it takes a while because hair grows quite slowly. So people want instant results. They want to take some collagen and in two weeks' time have loads of hair. Or they want to take HRT and see the difference... You've got to give it at least four to six months to start to see an impact on that because your hair grows a centimeter a month, right? So if it grows through for a month or two Mm -hmm. months or three months, you've got to give it at least three or four months to start to see any benefit Mm -hmm. at all. People give up quite quickly with hair supplements and things like that. But stick at it three to six months as you're looking at for it to recover.
1: That's a really good point, actually, because it's not going to change the hair that's already out, obviously. Yeah. It's the hair that's coming through. What has changed, which I don't know if I can do anything about, is I've got naturally curly hair, right? And it's getting more coarse as it comes through. I, I can't, I mean, you know, it's, it's wavy, mm. right? So that's kind of like not, not going to change. There's nothing I can put in my diet to create straight hair,
3: <laughs> basically, there isn't or smooth exactly not. I mean, heat is really great at smoothing out that hair, but obviously it's a bit damaging. It depends how, how you do it. A lot of people straighten their hair. So they get the irons, they put it in. And then the iron three or four times Mm. over one section. You don't need to do that. You just do it once, Mm. slowly, over one section at a time. Right. So you're not just putting endless amounts of heat on the hair.
1: And products beforehand?
3: Yes. If you can get some kind of heat protection cream or blow dry spray. My favourite is this one from Sebastian. It's called Potion Nine. It's kind of a funny orangey kind of, um, it's like mango juice or something like that. It's quite syrupy, but it's brilliant. Put on wet hair, (laughs) blow dry that in until your hair's completely dry completely dry. The worst thing you can do is put like 200 degrees centigrade on damp hair. And and people do this all the time. It's the single most damaging. It's more damaging than bleach and everything else to your hair. So make sure your hair is bone dry with a product on and then iron over the top of that. One of the things uh, that people do is is they iron way too much. So your hair's got some moisture in it. When you take that moisture out, hair gets styled. That's how hair is styled. You don't need products to style hair. It's just the remove... The removing of moisture from the hair. So you can wrap your hair around anything, remove the moisture from it, and it'll stay a perfect representation of whatever's been wrapped down. You don't need mousse or blow-dry stay. All the stuff goes on in the centre of the air. But if you start removing, start trying to remove moisture that's not there, you're just burning your hair, and that's what loads and loads of people are doing. So you can straighten those tight, frizzy, curly bits of your hair with some little straightening irons or something like that, but just do it once. Um, with some product on the hair and do it slowly. It should take maybe four or five seconds to go down the section of hair. But that's it, once. And then don't touch the hair until it's cold. So there's something the hair goes through, it's called a a glass transition phase. And a lot of people put a curl in the hair and then run their fingers through it quite quickly. Don't do that. Put the curl in, let it go cold, and then put your fingers through the curl sets, it lasts loads longer because it goes through this glass this transition phase of cooling down.
1: That is great advice. And, and I've never heard that. What I also want to do, because we've talked about condition, we've talked about how hormones affect hair, we've talked about how to, to look after your hair better as you're getting into that period of life. But uh, style... Because there used to be this thing, didn't there, kind of like, oh, you have to cut your hair when you get to a certain age. (laughs) Um, I I don't feel that's a thing anymore.
3: No, and it definitely shouldn't be. But you know, I, I do this Instagram Live thing about once a week. But the amount of people that do say, am I too old for this or am I too old for that? And I always think, what kind of question is that? No is the answer. Like, you're not too old for anything. I have a client called Anne Mitchell, an actress who was in EastEnders for a long time, and She very famously played this character called Dolly Rawlins in a a series called Widows Mm -hmm, in the 80s. Everybody remembers her from that. She's, I think she's 83, Anne Mitchell. She's not. Yeah. I highlight her hair like I would highlight a 22-year-old's hair. Like, there's no difference in the way I do her hair than I do anyone else's hair. We do some weaved highlights, some bleach, some blonde. Uh, We do this lovely kind of shaggy kind of hairdo with a big, long, Mm. sweepy fringe. I blow-dry it in exactly the same way. And she's she's like a shining beacon for me to say... Look at this woman who's eighty. Like I don't do mm. her hair any differently than I would do a teenager's hair. Like no, don't pay any attention to that. What you want is to just look the best possible version of you. So no, I, I don't buy into I don't buy into any of that really. And I often find, you know, short hair can sometimes emphasise ageing. And I don't know whether that's a generational thing for us.
1: I think it also, it depends on the face, doesn't it? I was at an event last night and a woman who must have been in her mid-50s because she did t- she came over to me and said she enjoyed this podcast. She said, I'm a little bit older than your target. Mm. She didn't look it. She looked really she looked great. She had a cropped black, very dark hair, kind of like in a really like Liza Minnelli almost, kind of like mm. beautiful cut. And it suited her face exquisitely. You know, she had a red lip on, really dramatic bone structure. And I looked at her hair and I thought, God, I bet that's easy to look after. I love (laughs) looking at thinking, oh, I love. But I could never have that haircut. And I think it is your face, isn't it? And your hair texture is gonna kind of direct you in that. But in terms of a blanket rule.
3: Yeah, I mean I never look at face shapes. Lots of people say to me, Oh, I've got a face shape. What you know, what's it what what would be good for it? I've, in thirty-five years of doing hair, I've never thought about face shapes at all. It's not part of the thing. Journalists write about them all the time because I think they've got to fill the magazines with information. Call yeah, mentions. yeah. So, but I, you know, when they say what's good for this face shape, I think I don't know really. It's more what what will your hair do and what won't it do? And you know, if yeah. somebody's got really thick, curly hair, yeah, and you can't look like Claudia Winkleman. You know, it's just it's going to be a massive, no. difficult, difficult to be. So, I always just look at the hair and then try and find out a bit about the personality. And I would always, always take pictures to the hairdressers. Don't ever feel intimidated by that. Like, Really? One of the big problems that hairdressers face is not fully understanding what you want. And the best way to break down that is just to show them a picture like, I want this. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's General yeah. Aniston or it just doesn't matter. It just gives the hairdresser an absolute clear picture of, you know, what I love to do is play a very honest, straight game and say, well, look, this is not going to work for you. Um, but this, on the other hand, could be great. You know, let's leave the fringe mm-hmm. a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be absolutely kind of music to so many people's ears mm. because I think. You're afraid, aren't you, to kind of like be judged that you? Well, I, I know I don't look like Giselle. Yeah. I know I don't look like Robin Wright Penn, but you know this is the haircut that I like. So, um, so thank you for that and all the other advice. I mean, I, you've absolutely crammed it in there and oh. given us an indication if anybody's listening that you do your kind of private online clinics with your hourly, weekly Instagram live. So is it was Instagram live you do. Yes, yeah. Instagram
3: live at MD London.
1: Thank you so, so much. Absolutely brilliant. We had so much of your time and expertise, so I really appreciate it. And I'm sure all the Midpoint listeners do as well. Thank you. That's
3: a pleasure. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thank you so much to Michael. I absolutely love chatting to him. I loved his tips, his knowledge, his enthusiasm and how important actually nutrition is but when you think about it of course the hair is going to be the last place that your nutrition gets to at uh, Solgar of course thank you for their support today the midpoint is the code you need for 30% off your order so head to their website now and thank you to Caroline Hirons as well I love her story and actually her book which is called Skincare the new edit is out now it's a gorgeous yellow hard backed book it would be a brilliant Christmas gift for anybody from the age of about 18 upwards I reckon anybody's interested in skincare full stop and uh, it turned out we chatted off uh, our podcast afterwards. It turned out that I used to go into the shop in Space NK in Richmond when she was working there, and we knew so many people in common. Um, she's brilliant, isn't she? And she is welcome back anytime. Thank you to Lauren Armstrong Carter and Rethink Audio for producing, and to you for listening. I'll see you next time.